Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, I am here in Essex with Andy Griffiths, and uh, we heard from Andy a little while back in another podcast. He's been a vicar for 12 years uh, with the Church of England um, and trains, trains leadership, trains vicars in the church. Um, and also, you're an author. What's what's your latest book? Okay, so I have written a couple of books, one of which nobody bought. Uh, and the second <laughs> is uh, called um, Refusing to be Indispensable. And it's all about church leadership and suggesting that vicars are not as important as they sometimes think they are. Say that bit that you had said to me earlier, though, about the, being the, the solar system bit. And yeah. Of, oh, so, so, so I, when I became a, a vicar in 2005, I um, made God a promise, which went, nobody but Jesus is going to be the sun in this solar system. And I meant I was not going to make myself the centre of church life in that um, Christian community. But I also meant that gathered church, Christians coming together on a Sunday morning, was never going to be the centre of my spiritual life or the spiritual life of the other people um, who are members of that church. Um, And then the book really tells the story of ways in which I tried to live that out by being a sort of non-central leader for that church community. And where can we get it? Uh, It's a Grove book, so uh, it's a very, very small book. You could go to the Grove book website or wherever you usually buy books if you put my name in, Andy Griffiths, and refusing to be indispensable, I bet you will track it down somehow. (laughs) Very. Maybe we can put um, a link to... On our on our bio notes, so it'd be good. So, Andy, you are I'm going to call I, you're a Zinzendorf geek. You have been geeking out on Zinzendorf. I have I have <laughs> been unashamedly geeking on Zinzendorf for about seven years. Um, so, seven years ago, I encountered the book "The Lord of the Ring" by uh, Phil Anderson which is a brief kind of biography of Zinzendorf and speaks about lots of things in his life, but especially about the Order of the Mustard Seed, which was a a group of young people who made vows together um, when they were not sure, but let's say in their mid-teens, somewhere around 1714, um, that for the rest of their lives... Um, they would be true to Christ, that they would be kind uh, to others, uh, and that they'd take the gospel to the nations. And that changed their whole lives. But I was interested to find that Zinzendorf, who was at the heart of that original mustard seed community, kept on creating other communities for the rest of his life. So uh, he became a landowner, and he and some of the other Christian landowners 
landowners in the area, they formed this religious community. They called um, the League of the Gentry or the League of the Gentlemen in the area. And then a little bit later on, he formed a group of refugees that became what we now call the Moravian Church into a community and he helped them have an order of life that they would live by and take vows and be committed to each other. And then a little bit later on for... Um, uh, he formed what he called the Pilgrim Community, which was a sort of mobile headquarters um, who travelled round from church to church, helping churches to um, become more active in mission um, and troubleshooting things in their Christian life. So I was fascinated. This person, for his 60 years of life, created, it must have been more than 20 different um, communities of people. What was it about his, his belief, his theology, or, or the things that, that were central to his life in the, in the way of following Jesus? What, were, what was it about that that was so compelling for you? So four things in particular. Um, number one, it was incredibly Jesus-centred. It's all about Jesus for, for, for Zinzendorf. In fact, one time his advice to people who are preaching in a new area where people haven't heard of the Christian faith is he said, well, first preach Jesus. Tell them about Jesus, his perfect life, his death, his resurrection. Just tell them that the first few times you meet with them. Later on, there'll be time to mention heaven and hell and the, the Trinity and the church and all of that stuff. But start with Jesus all the time and I, I find that massively attractive um, second there's this sense of mission that's through everything that he said and wrote um, that the Christian faith isn't intended to make people feel make Christians feel better it's intended to get under our skin and um, heat us up and send us out on mission um, thirdly it's all about gratitude um, so the Christians or the Protestants of uh, Zinzendorf's day um, talked about the solas, um, which means in Latin only. So they talked about grace alone and the Bible alone and faith alone. Um, and to that, Zinzendorf added in Latin sola gratitudine, which means by gratitude alone. He reckoned that the only way we should be motivated to be a better person is out of gratitude for what Jesus has already done. One time he said, Jesus, the more sure I am of your mercy and love, the more I will be devoted to you and cheerfully stand to comply with your every command. It was the idea that we don't become better by somehow being determined and keeping the rules. What we need is to be overwhelmed with gratitude for what Jesus has already done for us. And a byproduct of that gratitude is that we will indeed be changed. He, he once said, um, a Christian no, long, no more has to keep the law than a British subject has to keep the law of France. Hmm. 
But the result of being freed from the law is not less obedience, but more. But it's a free, glad, cheerful obedience. Uh, and, and that really um, is attractive to me because um, I'm around churches a lot. And I see a lot of people um, trying to motivate themselves by means of fear and pride and guilt. And it seems to me to be so much better if we can rediscover cheerful, confident gratitude. I said there were four things. That's three so far. (laughs) Um, A fourth is humility. Um, Because I am fed up with Christians who seem to feel that their way or their denomination's way is the only right way to do Christian life. And Zinzendorf got that, I think, better than anyone else in in his century, at least. Um, So the word ecumenical, which means uh, with all the Christian churches working together, that was a word he coined himself. He is the inventor of an ecumenical approach to Christian life in which we respect each other and see the good and see Jesus in each other. So in the original order of the mustard seed, um, there was the Archbishop of Canterbury in it, there was a French cardinal in it, there was the King of Denmark in it, and there were all sorts of ordinary people who weren't archbishops or cardinals or reigning monarchs from all sorts of different churches for almost the first time since the church broke up finding that they could be accountable to each other wonderful so um talk to me about how 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 this has worked itself into your own life you know um so back in 2011 i read the book um the lord of the ring and i liked it so much um i got a phone number for phil anderson who wrote it and said can i meet with you and talk about zinzendorf i i, I am geeking about this stuff <laughs> um and he very graciously met with me um and i said these orders are brilliant you know order of the mustard seed i'm reading all about that um can i join it and he said well at this point there isn't really a way that you can join it to be honest um but i tell you what he said to me what why don't you go back and find a group of friends and get together and maybe you could do with them something that is a bit similar to what happened with the order of the mustard seed all those years ago so i said all right and 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 we did um, so a few things that, that happened after that. One was I travelled to Hernhut, which is in southeast Germany, and is still the headquarters for the worldwide um, uh, Moravian Church. Um, it is, if you like, to the Moravians what the Vatican <laughs> is to the Roman Catholic Church. Much so, smaller and cuter. But though. it is smaller and cuter. <laughs> Uh, and much more uh, and much more German Um, so I arrived there I got some contacts when was this? so this would be 2012 Um, I got some contacts and I was going to and I did spend a week in the archives 
um, in Hanhut, which is where there's all the historical documents. That's amazing with the Moravians. From the very beginning, they were documenting everything that they did. So there's the actual letters of Zinzendorf still there in um, in boxes. Um, letters from um, John Wesley to Zinzendorf, and you can actually pick up you can the hold letter. A letter that you John can Wesley hold wrote. the letter that John <laughs> Wesley wrote, and and I can transcribe it into my notebook. Wow. And in many cases, these are things that have never been published; they've just been kept in the archive in boxes. there in Hanwhart in boxes. It, it, it's extraordinary. Um, and I arrived, it was like a pilgrimage for me, really, as a Zinzendorf geek. So I, I arrived in, in Hanhut. Um, and here's the thing I didn't know about Hanhut. I knew the bit about it being a denominational headquarters. I knew there was an archive there. What I didn't know is that it's also an assisted living facility for adults and children with learning difficulties. What? No. It's really? there side by side and yeah. merged with denominational headquarters. Imagine if you visited the Vatican and you found half the people there with the cardinals and secretaries of state of the denomination and half the people there were people with learning difficulties um, whom the, um, the, those Christian leaders were accompanying in their um, continued thriving in the lives that they were living. So it was amazing. So I arrived at the uh, the mother church at Hanhut, and of course I there was no special thing laid on for me. They, they, they didn't know who I was and why would they? Um, so the thing that I walked through the doors and was happening was um, a very large group of... Uh, people in their late teens with profound learning uh, disabilities, all singing to Jesus in German the song, Everything I Do, um, I Do For You, um, (laughs) which had been translated for them, and each of them taking a candle and putting it at the front of the church as their love gift for Jesus. Fantastic. Uh, It's it's amazing, and not at all what I was expecting of a um, a denominational headquarters, but I think um, church house would be enormously improved if... If that happened there, so so that's one of the things that happened—a sort of pilgrimage um, for me. And the other was, yeah, we got a group of people together in Chelmsford. Um, we called ourselves a mini order. Uh, together we decided on some uh, vows that we would all take and from that day onwards that group has met once a month and held each other accountable for living um, by um, those particular vows and way of following Jesus. And then a little bit later, actually uh, just over a year ago, um, that group was great but was largely filled with people in their 20s. But we found that there was a group of people a bit older than that, 40s, 50s, more, um, who also wanted to have a mini order in which they could hold each other accountable for um, living by vows to, to follow Jesus. So we got that group of people together, and that's called the Micah 6-8 community, and that continues to meet once a month, and that's the community that I'm still very much a part of. I think that's so exciting. So 
I mean, the, the legacy, of, well, ultimately it's the legacy of Jesus, but the legacy that Zinzendorf has given us, it's being lived into by various orders, the order of the mustard seed just being one of, and then these other many orders, and then there's all kinds of iterations of Christian community, the Moravians as a denomination, different ones, uh, YWAM being another, many who are just trying to live into this, this devotion to Jesus and, and living ordered lives, with, with spiritual rhythms and practices, living in community with one another and accountability. So what does it look like when you guys meet together once a month? So we got a really, really simple structure. So first of all, we just do what we call rounds. We go round um, each person, round the table. Um, I guess each of those mini orders has about 10 to 12 people in it. So we're not talking large numbers. living room size. Living room size, exactly. And each person says how it's going for them over the last month. How is living by these vows working in their life? And then when we've been all the way round, it's inevitable that some of those people will have shared something that's really difficult either something where they feel quite ashamed or defeated or depressed or something awful is happening to them or they just feel so guilty they're not living up to the vows. So so before we go any further, really, really important that somebody authoritatively declares that they are forgiven. That, that, that's the heart of what we do, that God is faithful and just, and if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins, um, clean us from them, um, and set us free for righteousness. Some or words to that effect. Then um, one of us brings a topic for conversation. Um, And we take it in turns to do that. And sometimes that's relatively trivial. Maybe it's a question about the Bible or about Christian living that has always puzzled somebody and they'd like our input on it. And maybe it's a really big thing. So somebody came and their big question is, well, um, should I take early retirement or not? I need your guys' inputs. and, um, And we help each other to think through the big issue of the day that somebody's brought Um, and then before we finish um, we pray together Um, and in the more recent of those because it works for us the way that we pray includes um, an order of night prayer so from the Moravian tradition, uh, we've just um, brought a little bit of liturgy together and we pray that, but we also pray out loud for, um, for each other as the Spirit moves us at the time. So tell me, how has that been helpful for you personally, just in your own, your own walk with the Lord, but also in your role, not only as bringing leadership to the church, but in building other leaders? How is this way of life together in community in commitments how is that helping shape your own your own walk with the lord well i am really likely to um slither out from commitments <laughs> unless there are other people who are going to be to going to hold me accountable to them and frankly we can do that for a little while and nobody notices 
Um, and being part of those orders ensures I know every month I'm going to have to look a group of people in the eye whom I trust and who know me quite well and tell them how that's going. Um, and that makes it that really does make a difference not not out of fear but out of a proper sense of accountability um, and being forgiven in that setting I know you know every time I go to church somebody probably reassures me that my sins are forgiven yeah yeah of course but in that more intense setting with people I know and trust with a degree of confidentiality there that isn't found in in other places to be told this group of people have heard everything that I've said they know the worst of me and they are still absolutely confident that they can declare over me the forgiveness of God then that's the motivation that being grateful for that is the motivation for anything good that I do for the rest of the month wonderful well thank you so much for for just sharing with us um, I, I was just saying to you and Phil both just such a resource to us in the order with all the uh, we need Zinzendorf geeks <laughs> we need you <laughs> so thank you for sharing his story and thank you for sharing your story and I'm wondering if you can just pray for us before we go I'd love to so breathe deep in and out There's part of your shoulders or knees that are a bit tense, then relax them now. Receive the good news of the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus knows everything you have ever said, ever thought, and ever done. And he loves you anyway, utterly and completely. As you breathe in, and breathe out you might want to say something like this Jesus it is not easy for me to know I am fully loved and fully forgiven but I do want to believe that to the bottom of my being please help me live a life of goodness, kindness that flows from gratitude at what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus. I love you.
thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.